Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for tonight's vBrownBag. We're going to be talking automation, vSphere, automating vSphere with Ansible and GitLab CI. And to do that, we have our expert panelist, Chris Arsenault. A little housekeeping before we get started. We're very active on Twitter. We use the account at vBrownBag. I'll be following the hashtag vbrownbag on Twitter for any questions, comments, uh, heckling that's going to come from the audience. And please heckle. Uh, it's Chris's first time, so we're going to do our best to uh, make him feel welcome the way we do. Um, while we are the U.S. show, there are other feeds um, from around the uh, world in different time zones, and you can always catch the latest schedule at vbrownbag.com slash brownbags, and it will be up to date by the end of the show uh, for what's coming up next as we're transitioning through the end of our and Azure series into some other very exciting things. With the housekeeping done, I'm going to hand it over to Chris. Uh, as I get the transition going, if you want to start introducing yourself, Okie uh, My name is Chris Arsenault. I'm an automation engineer at SIS. Let me share my screen. And this is my contact info. Of course, now that I think about it, I probably could have changed it to my work email, but eh, it works. You have my email. More importantly, you have my Twitter uh, and then my blog. Um, I will mention that within the next week, um, I will be adding a couple of new articles centered around what we're talking about tonight. So if there's some uh, some code that you want, or uh, or you want a more of like a walkthrough uh, blog style setup, uh, you'll be able to get this on my blog within the next week as well. Okie dokie. Uh, that is all I have for slides. Uh, at this point, uh, really, the, the stars, yeah. You you mean that we're going live, all live demo? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all live. <laughs> I wanted to get, get everybody excited and show the, show everybody uh, some cool things that I've I found, uh, and how that how I found that they can work well together and really um, bring your automation to the next level. The only right. thing you can make it better is if you're saying the stuff that you're showing us is all free too. <laughs> this totally sounds canned. Uh, it's only halfway, by the way, everybody. <laughs> uh, it is all the things you're seeing right here are open source and free. <laughs> uh, you can pay for some of these products, uh, but they do have open source products, free products available to you. So everything that you see here, uh, with the exception maybe of setting up a lab, right? Because uh, I've, I've got some VMware stuff involved in here. When it comes to GitLab CI uh, and Ansible, the things that I'll be showing you are, are all open source type stuff. Um, Okie dokie. So the really the stars for this presentation are Ansible and GitLab CI. Uh, the question is what is GitLab CI? Well, I'm sure most of y'all have heard of uh, GitLab, GitLab.com. Uh, they also have, uh, GitLab also has a uh, community free version of GitLab that you can run on-prem or at your house for free. Um, works very well. 
uh, my company, we actually use, uh, use the, the free version of GitLab uh, on-prem and it works great. Uh, and it has access to a ton of features as we're about to show here. Uh, for the efforts of this uh, demonstration, everything is going to be taken to place off of GitLab.com. And so you'll be able to see um, how things are working, working together and whatnot. Um, really, whenever it comes down to it, um, GitLab is mostly known for as a, uh, a provider of Git repos, right? However, they have much more. Uh, as we're going to show, uh, one of the things that they can offer is GitLab CI, which is their CI CD platform, uh, continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment for a platform, as well as um, a container registry uh, doc for Docker containers and whatnot. And you'll get to see how, uh, very briefly, how, how we're using that as well. So let's get started. So I actually started with GitLab CI uh, just probably a couple months ago. I found it by happenstance. Um, I, was I was actually uh, uh, messing around with some, uh, some open source um, stuff out there on GitHub, actually, and I found Travis CI, which has a lot of similarities to GitLab CI. Uh, but the biggest, uh, the biggest thing here, uh, which makes me really fall in love with GitLab CI, uh, is all your automated testing and your uh, and your pipeline is all defined in this file right here, the .gitlab-ci.yaml. Uh, I went down a path of like testing Jenkins and things like that, and, and the problem that I had with Jenkins, albeit it's very powerful is that the kind of shop that I work in, we're not doing software development, right? We're, we're writing, you know, onesie, twosie scripts. We have a couple things that can be considered maybe closer to software development, but most of that, that's not what I do, right? Most of that, it's writing scripts to accomplish certain, to automate certain tasks or create reports or different things like that, as I'm sure most of the attendees here, because we focus more on infrastructure, VMware. Right. Uh, and I didn't like the fact that in Jenkins, every for every single GitLab or, or Git project to Git repo that I had, I had to go create uh, a Jenkins job for it and define all of that, uh, the, you know, the, the pipeline and whatnot. Whereas with GitLab CI, I was able to define that entire pipeline in, uh, in a text file, YAML file. And then, you know, as a lot of the automations that I'm creating are similar, whenever I go to create a new automation, the whenever I go to create a new automation, the scripts and what you know, the automation, the testing that I develop for one can totally be applied for another. And without me having to go external and go to another system to do all this, quite literally, I can just copy and paste uh, this code into another project, GitLab project. And whenever I go do a commit, GitLab will see this code and it will execute whatever it is I've told it to do. So, so let's uh, get into it. So Graham, yeah, ask before we get started, is GitLab CI open source as well or is it a, there a free cut down version? Totally, it, it's, it comes in the free version. Yeah, right here is a, is a free GitLab.com account. Um, so you can actually, uh, I'll actually go, go ahead and show you all real fast. Uh, so I'm in my project. 
this one's called Ansible Test. Uh, and I go down to my settings and I click CICD. And then I can expand on this runners area here. And in here, you'll notice two types of runners. Okay. You'll see specific runners and then you'll see shared runners. So the shared runners are exactly as they sound. They're runners that uh, uh, GitLab.com has set up for you to use. Okay. And you can actually run your uh, run that code that I just I just showed you on the GitLab CI YAML file, and they would actually run against these shared runners by default. Um, because of what I'm doing, and I'm working with uh, a on-prem uh, vCenter server for a lot of my call, my Ansible calls that we're going to be working with today. Um, I disabled this, and I actually stood up a, a GitLab runner on my uh, on my MacBook, which is what I'm giving this off of right now. So, uh, and, and this go is either way. on prem as well, correct? On the free GitLab on premises version, exactly. Yeah, GitLab's pretty open about it. Whatever they give you for free on their in their SaaS model, they're also giving you for free uh, on the on prem version as well. Yep, I won't go into details on how to install the runners, the different kinds of runners. GitLab has excellent documentation. If you navigated to one of these, you can say install GitLab runner. If you're running, I will I will say if you're running the on-prem version, right, you can actually uh, deploy your own shared runners, right? Because um, that's like an administrative function. If you're gonna if you're using the SaaS model like this, uh, you and you want you don't want to use the shared ones, you're gonna have to deploy. Uh, a runner for every single project that you use. So that's kind of an advantage of using the on-prem version of GitLab. So let's go see the code. So we've got a couple files in here. Um, the first one we're going to start off with is we're going to run uh, an Ansible playbook called Hello World. Every automation, whenever you start with it, whatever programming language, you got to start with Hello World, right? Uh, it's the norm. Uh, and so let me walk you through what we're doing here. Then I'll, I'll execute the CICD for it, and you'll get to see what's going on. So what we have right here in this before script section is, uh, is actually installing prerequisites, okay? Uh, and every single one of these, it's, it's executing it off of a CentOS image, because that's my default image that I've specified outside of here, albeit if I wanted to use a different image, I could specify a specific image. Uh, as you'll see uh, how those play in. Uh, and what I'm, all I'm doing here is I'm, I'm installing Python, I'm installing pip, I'm installing Ansible, and then I'm outputting the versions of those to verify they were installed successfully. After that, you're gonna see that uh, I'm gonna run this playbook called Hello World, uh, and then we'll get to this piece in a sec. So, Let's hop over here. Uh, I've already got this. This is uh, Visual Studio Code. I've already got this opened up. Uh, and let's just make some nondescript change. We'll add, we'll add a, an extra key in there. We'll save. We'll say add a space. Okay. And now we're going. I've made my change. I've made my commit. Uh, and I'm going to sync back up with Papa GitLab. So we go back over here and we see 
added a space 16 seconds ago, and commit spending. So here's, here's where you get to really see the cool stuff, okay? So I'm gonna go into here. What you're gonna notice whenever you have multiple, like a, like a full-on pipeline, because right now this isn't really a pipeline, it's just one simple action, right? But it, whenever you have different pipelines, like stages for testing, and QA and all this, they show up as different actions up in here. So we're gonna hop in here, and we're gonna go. Started 36 seconds ago, so uh, the way this works, is I install a GitLab run on my Mac, like I mentioned. If I execute a Docker PS, okay, you're going to see this container running. This is the GitLab container run, uh, okay? So this GitLab uh, runner is actually the one that GitLab.com has been talking to. It doesn't talk to it all the time, which is why we had to wait like 30 or 40 seconds for it to actually kick off, because uh, I think it's like once or twice a minute that it talks. So now we see that it's actually running. We see it's running on this version of GitLab Runner, running on my MacBook. Uh, it's using the Docker image for CentOS, because I told you I'd make that my, my standard. And now we see it's actually running through all the different commands that I had specified uh, in that GitLab CIM. Okay, cooler yet, if I go run a doc, Docker PS over here, you'll actually see that CentOS uh, container up and running, okay? Uh, it's been spun up. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie, something like this, these uh, installing these prerequisites can take some time. Normally I think it's two to three minutes uh, if, if we're just gonna go standard uh, and install these. And that's where it comes in to play, play, which I'll show you uh, just a little bit after this, about how you start to recognize very quickly that if you're going this route, the CICD, you want to create your own containers, have things, uh, you know, created on the fly, your code tested and run at the same time, uh, you start to really see where you need to be creating your own containers that have the prerequisites the prerequisite software installed on it that you want. And that might seem like some big, big obstacle, right? But it really isn't, as I'm about to show you on just a little bit. We saw this one actually completed fairly quickly because it's getting to the tail end of it, okay? And boom, it took a minute and 58 seconds for this to take place, okay? That's full on installing all of the uh, prerequisites and then after it finished those, it ran those final two commands. It executed my Ansible playbook, and, and then it catted this file or listed the contents of this file. So if we go back to, you know what, I'll leave this here. Let's go back here. Let's go look and see what's in that hello world. So while you're pulling up this, uh, yeah. the question came in, what's a good plugin for VS Code since the YAML syntax is a pain in the rear end? I think it recommended one for me. You know, I don't really remember. Let's uh, uh, enabled. Uh, I think it just recommended one for me whenever I opened it. Or, or it just had it by default, unless 
Python included some stuff in there. Doesn't look like I have one included by default. Typically, whenever you go to open up in VS Code, you go to open up a new uh, a new document type. If VS Code doesn't have uh, support for that to document type, it will actually go out to the marketplace uh, and it will say, "Hey, I noticed that we don't support this. However, we recommend installing this." Right? Uh, and I'm fairly certain it was one of those type options. And, and boom, we got YAML support. Um, so if we go to this hello world file, we see it's very simple. Uh, the name, just we see the host, self, right? Keep in mind in this instance, the 127.0.1 is actually the CentOS Docker container that we spun up, right? Local connection, and then here's the meat of it. Here's the things that we want to happen, okay? Uh, once again, this is just for posterity, so for clarity, for someone going back and looking and wants to know what's happening. Here's, the, here's what's actually happening. It's copying uh, this content. Okay, hello world with a new line. It's copying this to this file. Forward slash temp, forward slash test file dot text. And that's where it becomes uh, notable why we're doing this cat forward slash temp forward slash test file dot txt because this file didn't exist before our Ansible playbook ran. Okay, so essentially this playbook created that file, as we see here, create a file with the content hello world, and then we outputted it. Easy peasy, right? So the next thing you want to ask yourself as we were talking about before is, okay, this looks pretty cool, and it looks fairly straightforward. I mean, we all know how to install requirements for systems and, and you know, base stuff and get it up and going, but I want it to be quick, right? Okay, this is fine if I'm executing this ever so often, but when I'm debugging or I'm, ex you know, I'm trying to write more Ansible code or whatnot, I need it to be faster, okay? What can I do? That's where creating your own image, your own Docker image comes into play. And quite simply, all I needed was these two files to do that. So if we go into GitLab CI YAML, this is, I would not consider this production ready because I don't have anything in here saying, hey, if it fails, remove it from the Docker registry. But for our test right here, you get to see what happens, okay? I've got two stages, the build image and the test image. The build image is doing nothing more than executing a Docker build Okay, with the uh, with the registry name and commit name that we want to send it to. Uh, whenever you execute that command, that command looks for one file. It looks for the Docker file. The Docker file, as you can see, is very simple. Okay, and it's really not a far, like a, a, a very long leap, right, from where we were looking at before. Because from CentOS, okay, it's from the CentOS Docker image. That's what that means. Maintainer, that's me, okay? Then we quite literally just use the exact same commands, right? Run, and then all these different commands. And then here is just saying, here's my entry point, okay? I did nothing special here. That's actually the entry point to the, uh, to the standard CentOS image. So basically, all this is saying is say, hey, 
use that CentOS Docker image that's out there, install this stuff, use the exact same, you know, uh, entry point that was there before, and I want you to create me an image on that. That's all it does. Uh, if we go and we look at the, um, if we go look at the, the latest build, okay, notice we have two stages, so we see two there. Docker, we see the Docker build command, okay, and these are our variables that GitLab CI understands, okay, and that's, and this is what that variable ends up being registry.gitlab.com forward slash crcno forward slash and then some other stuff okay and then the last command the docker push command is actually taking that generated uh, in container image that we just created and pushing it up to the registry in this instance the registry exists within this gitlab project and you can see it here uh, we're here we go registry if I go here, container registry, we see CRSNO, Ansible Docker image, and I can open it up, and I can see that uh, I've tagged this one with master, it's got a tag ID, and it was created 18 hours ago. I can delete it. Whenever you create, uh, uh, create versions of it, those versions will show up in here as well. So whenever, how do we put this together? So let's go back, okay, and this is all of our prerequisites that the image is doing for us. So let's just take those out. We'll type image, okay, and then we'll put in the container registry information to point to that container or to that uh, Docker image that I that I created. So it's uh registry.gitlab.com forward slash crcinnon uh, ansible image master so let's save that using custom docker image now let's do a commit. So let's go back here, go back to our Ansible test using custom Docker image. And as I mentioned before, <laughs> Please, Internet, don't kill me now. There we go. Okay. <laughs> it Welcome takes to the brown bag where it's all live and there's always something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll roll with it. But it's working. Okay. Um, whoa. So remember, it was almost two minutes right before. Okay. That took 19 seconds. That just shows the difference. The difference is that here, whenever we go look and we see using Docker Executor with image, and this is the image that I spec that I created, right? So the pre the prerequisites were already there. Didn't need to change. And so there, 
I was able to test 100% just my uh, my Ansible playbook that I'd created, the Hello World. Uh, and that was very, very quick. So, and then the beautiful part, you can use that, use that. New version of Ansible comes out, rebuild your container, right? New version of CentOS comes out, rebuild your container. New version of PYVami, you know, comes out, which is the, uh, the Python uh, vSphere SDK, just, you know, rebuild your container. Your container is being built on the fly here, right? Uh, you could very easily uh, simply adjust. If you have, like, more requirements in the future, just hop into your Docker, Docker file, add them. Do you not need one of these anymore? Remove it. Uh, and granted, this is like the simplest of the simple when it comes to Docker, Docker images, but I think it's a really good way to start, right? To make it not seem so daunting. So, okie dokie. So, we did the Hello World, talked about GitLab CI a little bit. Uh, let's see what else I have here. Okay. Um, I really wanted to do the create VM from template. I, I, I literally built most of these within the past few days just playing around. Uh, and I wasn't able to get this one where I liked it. So unfortunately, we won't see the create VM today. Uh, let's do gather VM info. Okay, and you could, you could use this for, uh, for multiple VMs as well. In this instance right here, I have it specifically targeting a specific VM that is called uh, ansibletest.tom.future.lab. That's the FQDN, which is also the VM name. Okay. Uh, we have a, a uh, test account for vCenter, username and password, FQDN uh, for vCenter. Uh, and then you'll see that I have I have these basically setting variables here and then pipe through. I did this really for clean sake because in the end, what you'll want to do is have like environment type variable set uh, that don't change for specific environments. You don't have to keep re-entering this stuff. Uh, and and when you do those, you you can actually you don't have to have them set in to the playbook themselves. You can externally set them. Uh, if there's one thing that I would definitely do before moving something like this into production, uh, Ansible has a Ansible Vault, uh, I don't know if you call it software, option, whatnot, whatever. It basically allows you to encrypt your passwords, okay? So I would recommend uh, before not putting any passwords in clear text. Uh, quite literally, I created this account right before we started this, and then right after we finished this, even though this is a lab, that password's going bye-bye. <laughs> The whole account's going bye-bye. So the screenshot I just took is worthless then? Worthless, yes, worthless. <laughs> Okie dokie. So now we see what this is doing. It's literally, it's gathering facts. Um, this is a, this VMware gather of guest facts is a built-in module for Ansible, okay? There's a ton of built-in modules for VMware. This is just one of them that I wanted to highlight. Uh, and once it, and what we're doing here is we're getting this information, we're saving this information to a variable called facts, right? And then what this debug function does, like this, is it's actually going to output the variable, uh, what that, what is in that variable, the facts variable. 
uh, it'll be a JSON output. So let's see what we get. I'm going to go back to my uh, my GitLab CI uh, .yaml, and we're going to change this. We're going to say gather vm info .yaml, and we can go ahead and leave this here, right? Because this has all of our requirements on it. Gather vm info .yaml. So gathering vm info. We'll sync back up. Okay, and let's go see what we got. Started up already. I really love the fact that, yes, it's running on containers. It's awesome. Uh, after it finishes, I don't think I mentioned this before, but after it finishes, so the job just, just succeeded. Now, I remember over here in this window over here, I showed you all a Docker PS and I showed this container. Really cool part is after it's finished doing what it's got to do, right, it cleans up after itself, right? So in real time, it's spinning up your workload. It's doing what it's doing. GitLab CI, it's capturing that output for you that you want to see. Okay, all that log, log information and whatnot. Okay, and then the GitLab runner cleans up after itself. It's a very uh, elegant solution, I think, uh, and very simple. Uh, it's easy to set up uh, and has a lot of power. Uh, so here we go. Gathering Veeam info, setting my variables, gathering the facts from the VM, Everything happened good there. Then it got to the debug, and it's outputting that fax variable. Outputs for Ansible are, uh, are in JSON, so relatively easy to read. Um, cool part about debug as well is you can actually set verbosity levels, right? So if you wanted to put debugs in certain areas of your playbook, uh, I think they have the verbosity levels up to four, okay? And what that allows you to do uh, is what that allows you to do for the verbosity level, we can go over here real fast, is you set the verbosity level. And what that means is that whenever I go to execute the Sansible playbook, uh, if I said that my debug variable was a verbosity level of one, okay, if I put this space dash V, okay, then that would be, that's essentially a verbosity level of one. Uh, that means that if I did it like that and I had verbosity level of one, then the debug output uh, in GitLab CI would actually show what that debug was, okay? If I had it, if I had it set for that uh, debug verbosity level one and I didn't put that, nothing's gonna output. But then you can have different levels, like I said. You can have, you can have up to four Vs there. <laughs> Uh, displaying certain levels of information, right? Allowing you to further uh, debug your workflows without or your playbook, uh, getting the information you actually need without it becoming too wordy. Anywho, uh, this kind of information for those, for us that's, you know, used to VMware, it's not going to look super, super different, right? From like maybe a, 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 a git-vm you know, kind of kind of output. Uh, we see 
here's like the annotation, the notes field for the VM. We see that it's got some snapshots. Uh, we see the updates installed snapshot powered off, right? Um, you can, you see the VMware tools is running. You see the host that it's running on, uh, network adapters, port groups, tons of information. Uh, VM, VM files, folder where it's located at, lots of good information. Uh, so you could use, Ansible is used a lot of times, not necessarily for making changes sometimes, but for being able to reach out and quickly see, get a, a hardware snapshot like of, of what your environment is, right? Maybe, and you can tell it to capture only specific values and, and put those into a report making your life easier. Let's see, next thing that I had up. Okay. We have had a request for you to circle back around to that create VM from template and either show it to us tonight <laughs> or come back when you get it working. Uh, yeah, I'll have to come back when I get it working. It, it is not working at the moment. Um, so, uh, I, it might, I think it's permissions based, but I didn't have time before. But yes, I would love to come on again and tell you all more about Semansible uh, once I've, I've made further headway. Um, here's a cool one. So those of us familiar with uh, the PowerCLI invoke-vm script, I tell you what, whenever I learned many years ago uh, that there was a Power CLI commandlet that allowed me to backdoor through VMware tools a VM and execute commands. I thought that was pretty stinking cool. Okay. Um, would you want to change passwords this way? Maybe not, right? But uh, I showed this just to show you all that it's possible uh, and how it works. Um, in this particular example, we have a CentOS VM. It's running CentOS 7. Um, it has, like we saw in the gather VM, uh, VM uh, information, it's running VMware tools and whatnot, so we should be good there. Um, the account that we're going to be using may, may or may not be suggested, depending on how you want to do it, but this is a test, so it don't matter. We're going to be using the root account. We, we want to change the root password, okay? Uh, so we see through here, we're specifying our variables, VM name, VM username, password, the new password that we want to set it to. Okay. Uh, data center where that VM lives, uh, the vSphere data center, uh, vCenter, and then we have the vCenter username, password like usual. Uh, this VMware VM shell, shell is a pre-built Ansible uh, module that you can consume. It comes by default whenever you install Ansible. All of these, um, I don't think I highlighted it specifically, but all of these VMware plugins all have a very similar requirement. They require that you have the Python uh, vSphere SDK installed, which is one of the things that we installed on my custom Docker image. And the rest is just specifying stuff, right? 
where is it at vCenter wise? Authentication, okay, it's a lab. We don't have valid certs. Um, what's the VM, uh, what's the VM ID? In this instance, we're, we're, uh, we don't have a VM ID, so we're gonna use a VM name. But you can use the uh, UID as well of the VM. Use username and password. Um, and here is, is the part where it's telling you how to execute. Here's the main command is echo, okay? Fully, full path to make sure that you don't have, uh, in case the path isn't set up properly. Um, and then this is the arguments. It's essentially echo space and then this command right here. And this is a one-liner command which allows you to change the password. Okie dokie. Uh, let's go ahead and execute this. Oops, I did not mean to click delete. Okay. Save. Okay, now before I update this, I'll show y'all. We'll go back over to our uh, our terminal session here, and we'll do an SSH. Say Ansible test at tom.future.long. Oops. Root that. Oh, what did I put at? I put the ads in the wrong spots. Yeah, I'm on. It really doesn't like me right now. There we go. Okay. And as we saw before, the password is change me one, two, three. And we're in. Okay. So let's exit out. Now we're going run this. So we have a question, is VMware tools a requirement for this to work? Yes, yeah. It, it's the exact same requirements that you have if you were trying to even use like the invoke-vm script commandlet. Uh, it, it's, re, it's actually, it's you're logging in to vCenter and then you're, you're going through the ESXi host, through the VMware tools uh, connection, and it's allowing you to execute a single line of code, or uh, there's an option as well to copy an entire script and then execute said script. It's pretty cool. Okay. So we see we're starting up. And we're executing our playbook. Changing passwords, setting the setting the variables, and now we're running the command inside a VM, and that command is to change the password. The uh, the chat question panel is going going wild over all this. The uh, uh, saying that's powerful and that there's a command invoke 
VM script is what you're using, but then there's also invoke command for Windows Box at a PowerShell directly. Yep, yep. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm showing you all the stuff specifically for Ansible with VMware, right? Uh, Ansible is super powerful administering systems directly as well, okay? Um, so I'm just showing you one piece of the puzzle that Ansible can do. You can do a lot with it. Um, okay, so we see everything went okay, and we had one change, okay? So that password, if we were successful the way we should think it should, should have changed to this, success one exclamation mark. So we connect, and we are in. Go back out of here. Okay, and that's, that's, I think that's really the ones that I wanted to show you guys. Um, create VM gather, I showed y'all that one. This one is a lot more involved. Uh, I'm not gonna run this one because it's got a lot going on and it takes forever. The reason I decided not to run this one is it works. But it takes forever to run because it's running across a lot of machines. So the one thing you might ask yourself, okay, so the one thing that both these Linux chains password and the gather VM info have in common, okay, is they're executed against individual VMs. But you and I both know that a lot of times when we're wanting to automate something, it's because we're working with many VMs, right? So how can we do that? If it was PowerCLI, uh, we would say, you know, get dash VM with a specific, uh, you know, delimiter on there, filter on there, getting exactly what we want. And then we would pipe that into a variable, and then we would use those uh, discovered VMs to actually go do something. So how can we do that with Ansible, okay? Uh, and this is what I've come up with thus far. So it's once again using the, uh, the VMware VM facts, okay? But it's not calling for a specific VM. It's gathering all the VMs. Okay, so we see the VMware VM facts, uh, and it's it's gathering all the VMs. VM, there's you can select the all uh, VM or template here, uh, and so it'll gather all VMs and templates. It'll gather just VMs, or it'll gather both, uh, and then it's saving it to a variable. After this point, uh, it uh, that variable is passed on down here, and here's where we got some fancy Ansible looping going on. Okay, so at the very bottom, we say with dictionary, and it's calling VM facts. Uh, if you if you did an output of VM VM facts, remember it's JSON. Uh, all the information it gathered is underneath a dot virtual underscore machines uh, item, and so that's why we have VM facts dot virtual machines, uh, and that's that's the thing saying hey loop through these right. Uh, and then this right here, this win, is saying, hey, I don't want you to do any of this stuff right here, okay, unless the thing that you're currently evaluating fulfills these things, right? And in this one, I've said, hey, okay, the guest, the guest OS name here is, um, and this is a, just a, a simple search that Ansible allows you to do, if it, and, and I found it is case sensitive, uh, it says, hey, if there's CentOS, in the guest name, yes, okay. 
Uh, here's another one. Uh, if it's in the lex-mgmt cluster, okay, cool. If the power state of it is powered on, okay? So if, if your VM matches these three items, okay, it's going to do whatever it says in here, okay? Uh, you can also specify failure criteria, okay? So here, it's, it's the exact same information we saw in the previous with the difference of that it's powered off, okay? Because what I'm trying to do in here is I'm trying to actually execute uh, some code through that back door we talked about in the last in the last demo I showed you, okay? So if it's powered off, it's obviously not going to work. And so, so that to save ourselves some time, this right here, automatically says, yeah, it's powered off, okay, don't even worry about it, but include it in my failure list whenever you're showing me the results. Uh, shows the results here, I mean, it, it logs uh, the results to a variable called results and then displays it in debug. And that's it. Um, uh, now, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, we've got uh, some more conversation here. Uh, can okay. you pull back return values for failures? Now that's the interesting thing. So, so here is I I haven't tested extensively, but I can tell you this. Okay, uh, if the in if the invoking of the of the code or the script uh, fails to execute, meaning you're sending that call to the center. Uh, and you tried to execute it. Uh, if it fails to execute at like the vCenter level, okay, it 100% fails, okay? But from what I've seen, because uh, this is actually, and I actually saw this from doing, checking these results right here. What I've seen is that uh, whenever it does uh, come back, like it says, hey, I successfully executed, right? invoke-vm script will give you the output from that console. Okay, so if you did, you know, if you're using the PowerCLI command that you said invoke-vm script, uh, the return from that PowerShell will show you whatever the output was from that console session that it opened. You do not get that with the Ansible VM or VM shell. Okay, it, uh, I have to do some more investigation to see uh, if that's really a limitation or a caveat, depending on, because it might be that you can simply sit, make sure that you have proper error handling uh, in that code you're passing over. And it might be that it's, it's smart enough to say, hey, the code failed, right? It generated an error on the OS and, and then, and so Ansible receives an error. Uh, I have not tested that yet. I plan to though. Good question. That was really the stuff that I had to share with y'all guys. Uh, Tom, was there uh, was there any other questions that you saw that uh, people had asked that we haven't considered yet? Yeah, there's one more. Uh, can't you build a task to create an Ansible host file, then run the task against that? So, I am not an Ansible expert, <laughs> I'll say that first off. Um, from what I've seen, and I could be totally wrong on this, I could be totally wrong, okay? You should be able to, 
use the uh, the gather VM info right to do kind of what you're talking about, where you gather uh, you you gather the VM like the VM information matching certain criteria right now whatnot and put that in a file. I would hope you could do that. Thus far, where I have seen the Ansible host file use has not been in a VM type situation. I've seen the Ansible host file use whenever Ansible is actually reaching out directly to that operating system to do something. Okay, so you'll notice that I'm not the only host that I specify here is localhost, and that's because I'm not executing. I'm executing all this stuff through uh, the API, right? Uh, ergo, it's not connecting to another host to do it. Um, I don't know what that would look like, right? It, my gut is telling me that dealing with VMware and VMs, if you're if you're going to go through the back, you know, the back door, you're trying to deal with VMs directly using Ansible like that, not going through the OS side to the Windows or Linux side, that the host file might not apply to this. Now you might be able to generate, like I said, a file uh, containing VM names and then use that similar to like a host file, with the exception that you wouldn't call it out in the host here, but you would do something like this, where you would use a, a dictionary loop referencing said file after you've read it in the memory or something like that. But I'm, I'm not, I, I do not know that answer for sure. All right, any suggestions for where to store Ansible facts, like a DSIM, SCOM, AWX, or other? I do not know. I don't know, but my 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 testing thus far has been basic and limited to this. Um, the method that I'm choosing to use for Ansible, uh, given and and obviously that can change, um, is that I'm I'm not I don't have an actual Ansible server, right? Uh, I'm spinning up my Ansible server on the fly uh, using GitLab CI, which I think has some big benefits as well as enforcing the fact that all of your Ansible code that you execute are 100% under version control, right? Because that's another problem that I have with, with some people with automation uh, or with some people that don't like to share is they write code and they leave it on their machine and they don't share it uh, and it's not under proper version control. This kind of forces people to use that. Now, I, I see where you're going with that question. Uh, that is something that I want to solve for, right? I want, and there's probably someone who else has already done it, uh, the ability to get that information, get those facts like you're talking about, and output them to an external server uh, that is not an Ansible server, but maybe a file share or something, right? Uh, that then, in the in the GitLab CI CI/CD workflow, it calls that it calls those environment type stuff. Now I will mention this: uh, if it's just simple variables, okay, if it's not like uh, get you know Ansible facts, um, they do have the ability to create variables in GitLab CI um, settings. CICD, uh, variables, see variables here, expand, and it's key value store, okay? If I put 
uh, hello here. And I said the answer, you know, the, the actual value for that uh, variable name is hello. Okay. Uh, for instance, in a, um, in a bash environment, so CentOS uh, Docker image, if I, if, if I reference that saying dollar sign hello, that's what, it's that's what it's going to output on the back end. Also, uh, I don't want to go too far off the topic, but this protected does not mean that it's, uh, it's stopping people from being able to see your, <laughs> to see your variable. Uh, I learned that the hard way through GitLab documentation. It clearly states that this protected check mark uh, means that you can only use this variable if the GitLab, if the Git branch that the code is being executed on is a protected branch. It's a little confusing for me. Uh, I don't think that that was the proper terminology, but hey, it is what it is. Um, I will say that you have to be a maintainer or an owner of a GitLab project in order to reveal what these variables are or to, con to set variables in general. So you would use that as a, um, like a credential store or what would you? You could, yeah. Uh, you could also use this as your way of, uh, if there was like, you know, single val singular values, right? Simple values of, you know, the center host name, uh, or there actually is a method that I've, I've kind of looked into this. We talked about the Ansible vault briefly for encrypting passwords. There's a way that you can encrypt uh, the Ansible vault, uh, use Ansible vault to encrypt the password into a string, right? And then you can insert that string into uh, your Ansible playbook, okay? And maybe maybe a way that you insert that string is you have, you know, password, and then for the value, it's even here, it's not even clear text. It's that, uh, that encrypted string, right, uh, that gets it, ends up getting passed to your Ansible playbook. So, yeah, you could use it for a couple, a number of things. I must see anything else from there. That's uh, a lot of great information, though, Chris. It's, I had no idea what it could do. <laughs> I knew, I knew GitLab, but I didn't know it could do all this. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll tell you this. I've only scratched the surface, guys. Uh, I mean, I've been enjoying this stuff and learning more about it, but GitLab is incredibly powerful. I'm impressed. I really am, okay? Um, but uh, if you run most of your stuff today on GitHub, okay, something that is very, very similar to GitLab CI, uh, uh, and but you can only use it for open source projects, is Travis CI. Uh, it's very similar in uh, when it as it comes to GitLab CI in that it works off of a YAML file, a Travis CI YAML file that is on each of your, uh, your, your Git repos, okay? Uh, and that's what tells Travis CI what to do. As long as you're using, now, GitLab's, GitLab CI will allow you to use it for private, public, whatever. It's, it's free goodness, okay? Uh, Travis CI will only allow you to use it for free if it's an open source project on GitHub, and it only supports GitHub. But just an alternative for you guys out there wanting to look at something else. So uh, is 
uh, GitLab CI tightly integrated, or can you use GitLab CI against other repos, not just uh, GitLab repos? Tightly integrated. I believe, I, don't quote me on this, I think if you're using the highest tier, I, I swear I saw something about that, uh, if you're using the highest tier of, uh, of GitLab, uh, they allow you to use GitLab CI on uh, uh, on GitHub. Okay, but outside of that, it's uh, it's pretty much it is what it is. Oh wait, wait, second highest tier, CI/CD for GitHub. All right, free, bronze, silver, gold. I don't think that's their names anymore. Maybe and maybe they moved it. So, um, no, I guess they changed it. I swear I looked at this the other day and they were different. I swear it said ultimate or something for the. Or maybe, oh, there, there you go. Okay, <laughs> self-managed. I thought I was. I thought I was going crazy there for a second. Um, their pricing is the same for. And, and you get pretty much the same uh, resources, whether you're going self-managed or GitLab.com. The big difference, I think, if you're going self-managed versus versus not, is um, <clears throat> I think if you're doing GitLab.com, you see they limit the this when they say CI pipeline, they're talking about shared those shared runners we talked about. So if you're running the free version, they limit you to 2,000 minutes per group per month. Uh, that's more than enough for most developers, right? <laughs> I mean, the stuff we did here, well, you know, this whole demonstration was probably, I don't know, 10, 20 cops, you know? 2,000's a lot. Um, also, I, I read something the other day that if you're, if you're supporting open source projects, like that's all you're doing, uh, or you're a student, okay, you can get, you can actually get the gold tier or the ultimate tier, your choice, uh, for free. Both of both of those uh, groups get it for free. They really want you to use GitLab, and it's a pretty good product, I have to say. I have nothing against Git, GitHub at all. Uh, I truthfully don't care that Microsoft bought them, uh, but GitLab has been solid for us. Uh, and we, like I said, at my company, we have the. Uh, we use their community, like the free version of their on-prem product, and it's solid. Super easy upgrades. It's it's very good. The uh, language involved with it makes a little more sense than GitHub, too, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the biggest difference uh, is uh, that you got to get used to is GitHub says pull requests and GitLab says merge requests. You know, there's a couple other other things like that, but but yeah, if if you're familiar with GitHub, it will not be hard for you to get familiar with GitLab as well. Notice though too, even for free people, uh, unlimited private projects and collaborators, even for the free version. Whereas on GitHub, uh, as you probably know. Uh, you can't have private projects unless you you pay at least for I think there's like a small like seven dollar a month developer edition or whatnot for GitHub. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Chris. I uh, appreciate 
you showing us all this and, and the discussion around it's been great, everyone. Uh, do you mind showing us your contact info and pushing anything you need to, you'd like to plug? Yeah, I'll just reiterate everything you saw today. Uh, I'm going to have blogs. Uh, I think I think it's going to be more than just just one uh, to cover the different aspects that I talked about today. But uh, check out my blog. Follow it. Follow me. I'll uh, if you follow me on Twitter. I'll uh, I'll post whenever the blogs come out, uh, and then you'll be able to consume them. By the way, side note: I have uh, Travis CI uh, automating deployments for my blog, so. Uh, and it's available publicly on my GitHub account. So if y'all if y'all wanted to check that stuff out, it's just I really love uh, free automation. <laughs> All right, that's great. Yeah, everybody check that out. Uh, you actually have a blog about Travis CI publishing your blog, right? I do, and it's uh, referencing some good blogs from you, Tom, and from uh, Mike Tabor as well. Got to stand on the shoulders of people to produce even better stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to implement that in my own in my own work since it's you know phase three of a series we all wrote. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, going to do it for us tonight. And thank you all for watching. We appreciate it. And thanks again, Chris. This was a fantastic show. Thanks a lot, guys. Good being here. Thanks for coming.